Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Thank you, Robin, and thank you, uh, musicians and everyone, for beautiful music that we enjoyed as we uh, came together this morning. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians once again. Uh, we're uh, going through a series in the book of Philippians, and we looked at uh, how the book of Philippians is a book about joy, a book about the joy that is found in Jesus Christ, uh, the joy that is a part of every believer's life as we come to, uh, to this uh, uh, book of the Bible. It's about uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want us to continue to, to look at that this morning. Let's join together for prayer and ask God to bless us as we study His Word. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I just thank You and praise You for Your great goodness and love, and I, I praise You for the, the, uh, the uh, wonderful love that You've demonstrated towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, You sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, we just praise You and thank You for uh, Your uh, provision of grace and Your mercy that has been uh, flowing out upon us. And Lord, we just pray that, that as we study Your Word, Lord, that You would help us to, to feel Your presence in our life. Lord, that You would instruct us and lead us by Your Spirit, Lord, that You'd help us to grow in our understanding of Your love and desire for us, and Lord, that we might be the people of God and that we might be the church You've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul was a man of great power and of great uh, influence, but the reason he was a man of great uh, power was because of his prayer. His prayer life. Paul was a man of prayer, and and Paul was was someone who who uh, based his whole ministry on his prayer time, his prayer with God. And when Paul wrote this letter, as he did with many other letters, he would uh, many times mention the fact that he was praying for them. One of the reasons that Paul was writing these letters was because these letters were were written during a time when he was in prison. Uh, he was in the Mamertine prison in Rome, and uh, he was in uh, chains, uh, many times uh, chained between two guards. Uh, he was uh, not in, in the best of circumstances. It was cold and dark and dank in this, in this prison. And yet Paul was sitting there, and he was trying to reach out to the the church members, the people that he led to, to be a part of these churches in areas that he had ministered and areas in which he had uh, gone on his missionary journeys. And, and Paul uh, made several missionary trips and everywhere he went, he endeavored to, to set up a church that would, uh, would focus on Jesus Christ as the embodiment of the Messiah that, uh, that God had 
uh, uh, foretold would come and be the Savior of the world. And he shared that with uh, both Jew and Gentile. Many of his churches were of, uh, in Gentile regions where uh, uh, there was a Jewish contingent that would be a part of it. Uh, but Paul is writing to the Philippians here and he's, he mentions as we looked at uh, last week, the joy that is found in Jesus Christ. And, and as I told you last week, he also is going to mention and discuss many of the problems that this church had. And the reason that Paul could do that was because he was acutely aware of the needs that they had. And in spite of the fact that, that Paul was chained up and was a thousand miles away, Paul knew that despite of the fact that his body was in chains, his prayers were never uh, hindered. His prayers were always free to, uh, to go before the, the throne of God and to lift up these people, even though they were so far away that Paul could lift up their needs and, and their problems to the Lord. And, and these people uh, understood that through his words when he would say uh, things like, uh, I thank God upon remembering of you. Paul made it a habit of praying for these churches and praying for their needs specifically and praying for them. Uh, not And so many times when we pray, we have a habit and a tendency of, of praying in a vague way. Uh, God, you know, save all the people that are lost. Well, yes, we, wanna, we want God's love to spread uh, across our community and God's love to, to, to impact those who are lost, but it means so much more to God that uh, when we pray specifically about uh, the people that we know that we uh, care about and want to see the love of Jesus Christ in their life. Uh, it means so much more uh, in our relationship to God and our relationship to others when we pray. Uh, instead of praying, oh, God, uh, just help all the people that are on the sick list. Uh, no, God wants us to pr uh, have a concern and to pray specifically for uh, people that are that we know that are in need and name them off specifically and name them and, and name their need and and you know what that is doing for us. It's not that God isn't aware and God needs us to name off those names specifically, but what it means is, is that we care enough about those individuals that that it means something to us to mention that person's name. Uh, and what God is doing is by, by encouraging us uh, when we pray to pray specifically in specific needs, then that plants within us the urge and the, and the urgency to reach out to those individuals ourselves. Uh, and Paul specifically prayed for this church and his prayer is a prayer that uh, that uh, hopefully that would be a part of our lives as well, and it's a prayer that we could pray for our church as well, and and it would it's a prayer that we hope that uh, that God would grant in our lives uh, specifically as well. So look with me in uh, Philippians chapter one, and we're going to start looking at verse nine, and he says, "I pray this that." Your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are uh, by Christ Jesus, 
unto the glory and praise of God. And I want us to see in these uh, few verses uh, the prayer that God, uh, that Paul is making and the prayer that, uh, that we need to have for our church. And hopefully it would be a prayer that you and I would pray for our church as well. You know, if we would unite together and have a common prayer, a prayer that we would lift up before God, uh, I, I truly believe that God would, would answer our prayer and that He would hear our prayer and it would work specifically to, uh, within us to change our lives. The first thing that Paul is praying for is that, uh, that God would cause an overflow with intelligent and perceptive love. He says, I pray, uh, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Uh, Paul says, uh, I, I pray that, that you would have the kind of love First of all, that it may abound yet more. Uh, this word abound here in uh, the King James Version is, is, is a word picture. And what it is is a word that means like, let's say uh, uh, you're going out to your horses to feed them and you're, you're wanting to make sure that your horses have plenty of water and so what do you do you you put uh, water in the buck in in a uh, in the trough for that horse and you just put in a, a couple of bucketfuls and well that ought to hold him for a while no if you want to make sure your horse has plenty of water you're going to be gone all day long you want to make sure your horse has plenty uh, uh, this word abound is uh, saying uh, has an image of filling up a bucket or a, a trough to the point where it's overflowing. There's no more room for any more water. So there's, there's been a pouring in of uh, so much water that it, it begins to spill over the top. You know you're completely full when uh, it can't hold any more and it just starts to spill over. And this word abound has that image of, of the love of God filling up a bucket uh, to the point where it's not just filling that bucket but it is overflowing he uses the same kind of terminology and he, he uh, look with me at Romans chapter 5 uh, Romans chapter 5 uh, verse 5 it says uh, here he says uh, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, uh, which uh, for when when we were yet without strength, and in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet persevere. And we looked at this in in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Uh, but God commendeth His love towards us, and yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Um, uh, this is not the verse I'm looking for, but in Romans there's a verse in which it talks about God uh, pouring out His love upon us to the point of overflowing. And it is a, an overflowing abundance of God's love. And anyway, uh, here in Philippians, he's talking about, uh, he prays that God, uh, that your love may overflow yet more and more. And how, uh, in what way does he, uh, 
want your love to overflow in knowledge and in judgment. What he's saying is, I want your love to be intelligent to the point of understanding and knowing uh, the feelings of others. Uh, it's one thing to just simply say, well, you know, I, I uh, uh, care about somebody, but uh, what he wants for us is, is that our love would be a knowledgeable love, a love that is concerned about an individual's life to the point of, well, it's more than it, what we would say goes beyond just merely being an acquaintance. That our love for uh, one another would be more than just simply, uh, well, you know, hey, I see you and uh, I know you and I, I care about you. Okay, go on. Uh, he says, I want your love to be intelligent to the point of understanding and knowing the needs of others, understanding and knowing uh, the hurts and the, uh, the, uh, uh, the difficulties and the struggles. He says, I want your love to be intelligent, uh, understanding and perceptive, to have a love that, that cares for someone. You know, when you uh, walk into a room and your spouse is in that room, and you walk into that room, and you can tell that something's off a little bit. Something's just not right. They haven't said anything. They're just sitting there. But you can just tell that something's wrong. You can tell that there's, there's something the matter with that other person. That is a perceptive love. That is a love that goes beyond just simply uh, just caring about somebody or just having a love for somebody. It goes to the point of being aware of their needs and, and aware of their feelings and so much so that they, they don't have to voice their, uh, their feelings to you in words that you can sense it. Uh, or uh, perhaps when you uh, go by somewhere and you just simply uh, reach out and touch their hand, that you can feel in the tremble of their hand that something's wrong, that, that, that something is not right. And Paul says, I, I pray that you have that kind of concern and love for one another, that that concern and love that... Uh, that that I'm talking about is the kind of love that you have for your fellow brothers and sisters within your church. We need to have that kind of love within this body that goes beyond just simply a cursory understanding of who that person is. is oh, hey, that's so-and-so down the street. Uh, oh, uh, uh, more than just simply being able to recognize that person, but having the kind of love for one another, that kind of love and compassion for each other that we understand and know uh, one another and can feel uh, the, the, uh, the burdens that each of us have to have a, uh, a knowledge and to have a, uh, uh, a judgment or a perception of that uh, person's life and to be able to express that love, that your love may abound even more. He says in verse 10, that you may approve things that are excellent uh, and uh, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. The second thing that Paul desires for them is that they be able to recognize and uh, be able to choose those things that are essential. He says, I, I want you to, uh, to be able to recognize and know uh, those things that are excellent, that you may approve those things that are excellent. What he's saying is, I hope that you can uh, understand and know the things that are essential. 
And what he's saying is that our love would go beyond uh, the superficial things, that we wouldn't be so wrapped up in, uh, oh, what color of, of carpet are we going to put in the church or what, uh, where, whether or not we're going to have the tr- uh, piano on this side or that side or whether or not we're going to have uh, the temperature set at 70 or 72 or 74 or 68. Uh, he says, I'm wanting you to have the kind of love that you realize that uh, certain things are not so necessary to choose those things that are important, to be able to, uh, to get beyond whether or not uh, uh, the deacons come in with a tie on or a suit coat on uh, or being able to get beyond those things. And, and uh, he said, uh, these are just illustrations of the little petty things that, uh, that can get in the way of our relationships with one another. And we need to have the, uh, the kind of love that goes beyond that, that we need to have the kind of relationship that understands and knows those things that are important. Uh, so many churches that, uh, that are within uh, uh, our region, our area, there are churches that are dying because uh, uh, the people in the church have, have, are focusing on the way things always were. And if it's not exactly the same as it was 50 years ago, then they get all been out of shape and they get all uh, uh, twisted and contorted and they feel like uh, they need to put a lot of time and effort in making sure that everything is the way as it's always been. That's not important. That's not essential. When uh, uh, you've got a church member that is sitting beside you that's hurting because they have a family member that's dying of a disease or they have a family member that's, that's going through uh, a difficult time because they're lost and they're, uh, they're agonizing over that family member because they're hoping that, they're, uh, that, that that child or that, uh, that nephew or niece or that brother will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Who cares about some of those petty things? things. You need to love and and show compassion towards that church, uh, that family member, that church member that's sitting beside you on the pew or near you in the church uh, and care about those things that truly, truly matter rather than focus on whether or not uh, the whole choir sitting in the uh, choir loft or whether or not the pastor's wearing a tie while he's preaching or, or whether or not uh, uh, the, the church is lit right or, or has enough uh, air conditioner or enough heating. We need to get beyond the petty things and get beyond those things that, that are tripping up our churches all over the place and, and get focused on what truly matters the matters of the heart, the matters of salvation, the matters of, of growth in Christ. He says, also, I want you to be pure and never hurt others. He says, uh, look, he says that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Uh, in verse 10, he's saying, not only do I want you to focus on those things that are important, but be pure in your motives, be pure in your heart, be pure in your love towards one another, and do not hurt each other the way that we tend to do. This is so important. This is so important. So many people go to church and they play games. They get all dressed up and they put on a, uh, uh, an air of, of certain uh, attitude, the certain uh, uh, dignity or the certain uh, uh, type of, of attitude when they come into church and they act as if they've never uh, uh, even considered 
uh, anything sinful in their life when deep down in their heart they know they're a wretched sinner. They know they need to get uh, their life right with God. And they know they need to be uh, in in a right relationship with God and they get so offended when anyone says anything about anyone uh, having a sinful lifestyle as if uh, they're never ever considered doing anything wrong when they know in their heart that they need to get right with God. We need to have a pure relationship with one another, one that is compassionate, one that is loving, one that desires to help each other to grow in Christ, gets beyond uh, the pettiness, gets beyond the things that don't matter, but also uh, gets to the heart of matters and has a desire to help one another, a desire to love one another, a desire to... Uh, to to help each other along the pathway. Uh, We're all in a struggle, in a battle to get into the right relationship with God. Our, Our relationship with God is like a journey. And our relationship with Him is like a, uh, we're going down a pathway. And the desire is, is that we get, uh, the further down the pathway, the more righteous we become, the more like God that we become, the more uh, that uh, in our uh, demeanor and our desire, our, our characteristics are more like uh, the characteristics that God would have for us. And... Some of us are further down the road than others. And, and the important thing for us to do is not to just simply say, uh, come together and, and meet and say, okay, I'm further down the road than you. Look how pious I am. Look how righteous I am. Hey, look and, and see how uh, godly I am. No, the, the idea is for us to get together and help each other down the road. Help each other in the struggles that we face. Help each other in the problems that we're going through. And help each other to get closer to God. Paul says, I hope that you have not only a love that is overflowing with one another, a love that uh, recognizes and chooses those things that are so important, but that you have a pure love for one another, never having a desire to put down someone else. Look at that person over there. I saw them the other day and they were sitting in, in the parking lot of the liquor store. That's putting somebody down. That's, that's demeaning someone else. And that's, that's uh, when we say those kind of things, we're being hurtful to one another. And rather, we ought to be, have, have a heart of compassion that desires to help one another, find out what's going on in their life, find out what the struggles that they're having, and helping them to be faithful to God, helping them to grow closer in their relationship to God, and helping them uh, in their life, realizing that we too might be in the place where we need help someday. So always being compassionate and loving when we help one another. Verse 11, we also, he says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by, Christ, or by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. We need to allow Jesus to generate all kinds of good deeds in our life. We need to allow Jesus Christ to show forth. We are to be filled with the, uh, with the, the presence of Jesus Christ. We need to be filled with, the, with, the, with the, uh, this abounding love that needs to be filling our life. We need to be allowing Jesus Christ to live in and through us to the point where uh, the wonderful good fruits that Jesus Christ offers in our life 
need to be overflowing in us, that we need to show one another that kind of love, that kind of compassion, that kind of uh, the good fruits of Jesus Christ need to be evident within our life. When somebody sees us down the road, whether they know us or not, they need to say, hey, something's different about that person because they're exhibiting something that I've not seen before. And you and I know it needs to be the fruits of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit within us. We need to show forth the, uh, the good fruits that are in Jesus Christ in our life. I, like to, I liken it to this. The Bible tells us that, uh, that Jesus lived His life pure and holy so that He could take our place on the cross. When we recognize and, and realize that, that Jesus Christ took our place on the cross and died for our sins and took our sins upon Himself on the cross of Calvary and we accept that, that's what we call salvation, right? And we, we, we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life and we accept that wonderful gift of Him taking our place. And it's not until we accept the love of Jesus Christ that... that, that uh, our uh, our sins are, are taken from our lives and our sins are placed upon uh, the cross of Calvary and He took our place for us. But spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, growing in righteousness, growing in, in, a, in a Christian lifestyle doesn't happen until He lives through us. He took our place on the cross. We need to allow Him to take our place as we live. We need to have the kind of lifestyle that demonstrates the person and character of Jesus Christ. What would Jesus say when He would encounter the kind of things that we encounter each day. Those are the things that we need to say. Those are the things that we do. When Jesus encounters someone in need in the workplace or as we're driving down the road, if Jesus were there, what would have He done? Those are the things we need to do. A lot of people have those little bracelets to say, what would Jesus do? We need to... We need to think instead, we need to do the things that Jesus did. We need to be the people that Jesus was. We need to be the presence of Jesus Christ in a world that is full of sin. We need to allow Jesus to live in and through us. Paul says, I pray that you would be the kind of people that allow Jesus Christ to generate all kinds of good deeds and good things in your life that they would pour out upon the people in your church and in your community. Not only that, but we need to uh, become a community committed to honoring and praising God. That we need to uh, honor and praise God be, uh, to give glory and praise to God in everything that we do. <coughs> but not just, just simply honoring and praising God in everything that we do. But at the same time, we need to <coughs> have the kind of life that leads others to honor and praise God. We need to praise and honor God in everything that we do. 
and be such a testimony in our community that others begin to honor and praise God because of our example in our life. Paul says, I, I hope that you're kind of... Uh, this, this church is kind of church that, that honors and praises God in everything that we do. In everything that we do. That means if we, uh, in a couple of weeks, when, if, if things are, go well and, and Brother Fred is able to get some uh, peanuts for us and we can have us a peanut bowl and we have some music and we get together and have a good fellowship, then in everything that we do as we share to together with, in that peanut bowl that we're honoring and glorifying God, that in everything that we do as we come together, that the, not only the people in this church, but the people in this whole community see us honoring and glorifying God, even in a peanut bowl, even in our just coming together and singing songs together and praising God and eating peanuts, that God is glorified, that God is honored in our actions and in the things that we do. So much so that they want to be a part of uh, our fellowship and want to be a part of coming together and glorifying and honoring God that they see that we're more than just simply coming together and singing some songs and going home after uh, the the preacher yells at everybody uh, while he's preaching, but that they come together and realize that everything that we're doing is glorifying and honoring God and they have a desire to come and glorify God and honor Him as well. You see, if God's not being glorified and honored in your life, if you're not glorifying Him, then you're not being very much of a Christian. That means you're just simply going about your life as if Christ doesn't live within you. Paul says, I want you to live in such a way that your love overflows into other people's lives, that you're able to understand and know those things that are important that are, and those things that are less essential, that you have a pure love that never hurts another individual and that you're able to love one another without hurting each other, that you allow Jesus Christ to, to demonstrate His love towards others in your church and in your community and that in everything that you do as a body of Christ glorify and honors God so much so that others desire to honor and glorify Him as well. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a church. And it's my prayer, along with Paul, that we be that kind of church, that we be those kind of people. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. The first step of that is if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today you'd make that first commitment to accepting Him as your Lord and Savior of your life. You can't honor and glorify God if you're not a child of God. You can't honor and glorify God if you're not a part of His, uh, the family of God. You can't understand and know the love of God until you accept that love. And so today, if you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come in a moment when we sing our hymn of invitation, hymn number 413. And, and if God speaks to your heart, if God is calling you, I invite you to come. Maybe you, you are a Christian already and you just simply have gotten lost your way. You've, you felt like, well, I got my ticket punched, I'm on the way to heaven and that's all I need to worry about. No, we need, to, we need to be the type of Christian that loves one another. 
that understands and knows the burdens and the pains of each other. That has a compare, uh, compassion and a love that, that goes beyond just simple words, but into actions and deeds. And we honor and glorify God. It's my prayer that you would have that kind of life. If maybe you don't have that, and you need to come and recommit your life to Him. Maybe you just simply want to come and, and you say, Well, Pastor, I, 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 I don't, I haven't been a part of a church like that, and I, I, I don't know of a church like that, but I want to help make this church to be that kind of church. I want to be a part of this family of God, and I want to help in leading and being a part of this church that, that has a church that's like that. We all want to be like that. Maybe you need to come and commit yourself to, to praying that specific prayer. Paul was a man of power and great passion because he was a man of prayer. Maybe today you need to come and make this your prayer as well. That this church will be the church that exhibits that kind of love. We invite you to come as we stand. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to be that kind of body of believers that loves one another, gets beyond the, the silly, superficial things of this world, seeks to glorify you and honor you by loving one another, exhibiting the love of Jesus Christ, and making it a part of our life to glorify and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh,